Hello, and welcome to the Pacific Center podcast. My name is Dr. Greg Lane, and I will be your host as we explore many interesting topics with many amazing people from a variety of professional backgrounds over the months and years ahead. The focus of this podcast will be the intersection of the traditional healthcare practices of various cultures and the modern scientific research on peak physical and cognitive performance. This show will be delivered in an interview format. A quick disclaimer, while we may be discussing some health-related issues and therapies, in no way will this be construed as medical advice. As always, if you're seeking information or treatment for a medical condition, please consult with a licensed healthcare provider. Our guest today is Brian Bradley. Brian is the Vice President of Egoscue Incorporated. Brian is on a mission to help millions of people learn how to live healthier, pain-free lives and achieve complete fitness. A frequent speaker at industry events, he presents, consults, and conducts training with corporations, organizations, and nonprofits on the topics of chronic pain, health, healthy living, and high-level performance. His clients include the Tony Robbins Companies, Bulletproof Radio, YPO, the Seattle Study Club, and the NFL. Brian has been studying true biomechanics and human anatomy using the Egoscue method for more than 25 years. As the posture pain performance coach and motivational speaker, he has spoken in more than 15 countries promoting a myriad of healthy principles for achieving success in all areas of personal and professional life. Brian believes that real and lasting change can happen when we commit to health as a lifestyle. His postural training, fitness experience, and engaging personality get people of all ages moving and digging deeper to get their best results. Welcome, Brian. Thanks for coming in today. Thanks, and buddy. I'd love to know who wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I pulled it off your website, yeah, so thank yeah. you very much. Somebody's lying, maybe. I don't. Before we dive right in, I also want to introduce uh, someone who's near and dear to my heart, the president of our college, Pacific College of Oriental Medicine, Jack Miller, is joining us in the studio today. Jack is a licensed acupuncturist in his own right, as well as an extraordinary human being and educator. You have a doctorate in education. Uh, he's always on the cutting edge of uh, programs related to health and human performance and is leading us as we uh, uh, forge new programs in uh, human performance and, uh, and healthy living in general. So welcome, Jack. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. I'm a big fan of Agoscu. I've been doing it for 13 years, so it's a treat to have you here. Thanks for teaching at the college, too, you and Paul. And yeah, it's, a, it's great to have our students be able to get a little bit more of this. It's too easy when you have great students like you do. You know, they're very interested in taking their minds and hearts to the next level, so it's an easy thing for us to roll out a Goscue over there. So, Brian, why don't you give us a little bit of a background? Give us some history on the Goscue method. How did it start? I know it started from uh, P. Goscue. Thanks for bringing the books here. We'll give those books a plug, too. But of course. Why don't you uh, give us a little bit of background? Yeah, the very simple thing is I ran into Pete in 1991, and the authentic story that really turned me on to what the method was all about when he was explaining how he first saw what the human body could do. So he was a uh, infantryman uh, running officer in Vietnam, and uh, I have to apologize to the military if I just messed that up, but yeah, that's what you get. So he's a Marine over in Vietnam, and basically taking a bunch of guys through the jungle and a first guy raises his fist up like you've seen in all the movies and everybody drops. Yeah. So they see some action going on up ahead. So Pete comes up to the front and I'm paraphrasing the story and sees this lady with a rice bin on the top of her head. And it's not a small one. We've seen that in different shows, movies and people walking around like that all the time. Right. But she takes it off, squats down, gives birth to a child from the squat position stands back up, wraps the baby back up, wraps it around her, and picks up the rice bin, puts it back in her head, and walks away. Incredible. And at that point, and if you think about that, you listen to this again, and if you close your eyes and just picture what happened, go to the emotion that you get from that picture or from that little movie you're playing for yourself, and that's what got me, was, okay, wait a second. This is not what university taught me. This is not what, you know, my whole thing was based on injuries. It was the athletic training world, the exercise science world. Okay, this, you, you've got to try to 
stop the oxidation process. And everything was based on going after something as a, uh, a reaction versus a proactive approach. And at that point, and what he saw, the method was born in 1971 based on that moment. Huh. And he, he had some injuries, right, when he was in Vietnam that kind of let, I mean, aside from being inspired by the lady giving birth, which is completely amazing, um, he had, the some, injuries, he had yeah. some injuries. And so, yeah, up his left side, glute, hamstring, knee, all that stuff, pretty bad. And finally, they were saying, look, it's, it's got to be in your head because we've done everything we can, which how many people out there have actually experienced that? You know, I'm sure people have done that. They're like, well, you know, my neck hurts. Well, you've heard from 10 people that it's no longer your neck but that's where my pain is. And they start to identify with it. So Pete didn't want to identify with that symptom. And probably after flipping the psychiatrist's desk over, I won't say or deny that actually happened. Um, he said, look, I've got to start picking up Gray's Anatomy and figuring it out for myself. And those of us in this room, if you picked up Gray's Anatomy, it's not the easiest comic book to read, right? Like it's, you're going, okay, wait a second. There's a little bit easier way to learn anatomy. One of them is to go to school, but secondly, you could do this from software and stuff that's out now. And he just started putting things together saying, okay, the ankle bone is connected to the knee bone, the knee bone's connected to the hip. It was really that simple. And those injuries along with that uh, reactionary emotional response in the, in the jungle are really what built the method. Mm -hmm. And so presumably he, he recovered fully from his injuries, right? Yep. And he did it himself. And that was the key is that it freed him up. So again, he's a, he's a big psychological, emotional understanding kind of guy. So for him, it was change your mind to change your body. They don't come to us and say, boy, or the client will come sometimes and say, man, I really hope you can get, get me well. Yeah. Well, I'm not interested in hope. Right. I'm interested in belief. So it's my job to educate you, take the fear away so that you no longer are in the hope corral. You're over here toward belief, which is, yeah, I believe that I am enough. My body can do this. And at that point, you guys know this better than I, the emotional response on the hormonal side, the cellular, once you make that mindset change is huge. So, so what is Egoscue method? Egoscue uh, is a posture based program that is not about telling you to stand up straight. It's about allowing your body to become more of a hip driven athlete. So think about that at 80 years young or at 13 years young with scoliosis, our job is to get your pelvis as balanced as possible just like this table, nothing would be standing on it if the legs weren't solid. So the legs are, in my opinion, equating to the hip, not our legs, because our legs will compensate based on the hip being dysfunctional. So if somebody says, well, I, I have a labral tear in my left hip, what can I do? Well, what we can do is we can, we know that's an objective finding or an object, objective change to the joint. From our standpoint, we wanna make sure that the rest of the body, the whole body connection, doesn't start the compensatory process. And that's what we're trying to stop. So how do you, how do you perform the exercises? Well, I can tell you tonight, right around 9.30 PM, I'll be on my back on my hardwood floors with a yoga mat down with those glasses on. I told you watching a two hour movie, because to me, the amount of time that we spend vertical and then we get in our bed, which is super soft, allows our kyphosis and rounded shoulders to stay rounded. We go to two and three pillows next because that's what's comfortable. We go the opposite. Let's just let the floor over a time frame do some of the work. So probably 50% of our business is done in the supine position or the prone position on a floor that's unforgiving. And the, the benefit of that is that it's the ground reaction force is pushing back up against you because believe it or not, and I don't know if the listeners understand this, but very simply, when you lie down on your back, the floor is now pushing back against you as your gravity is being settled into that floor. You're now taking your upper back or that, oh man, my my neck and my shoulders and my mid back, they've been achy all week, or I haven't been able to make authentic decisions because I'm fogged in some way. Well, that's due to a lack of oxygen. And as we were talking about earlier, that diaphragm is tied right to that mid back spine. And we've got to tap them into the diaphragm. So they're not that shoulder breather. They're an east west breather. Right. So many of the exercises are done in the supine position. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you do have upright positions too, right? For sure. I would, you know, if I had to say what's the majority, it's kind of a tough one, but on your back or on the, on the stomach would say, I'll, we'll just call those the same. I'd, I'd say it's a 50, 50 between sitting and standing, being a group and lying down on your back or stomach. Another group were 50, 50. Okay. Okay. Brian, how customizable are the routines? How important is it for the, um, 
potential client to come in and you know get a diagnosis and get routines that are specific for them. And then I guess the corollary to that question is, how much can someone gain from just reading the book and doing exercises on their own? The pain-free book is done, I think, in 13 different languages. Um, we have millions of people who have read that book and have never stepped into our clinic. And literally the testimonies, if you see them on uh, Amazon, are four and five stars across the board. And that book's been out 21, almost 22 years now. And we haven't changed it for that reason, because it's that iconic book that just says when you're hurting, look for the red, white, and blue book that says pain-free. To answer your question directly, I would love for everybody to get a personalized routine, not from a business standpoint, but from a, we have this artificial intelligence called ePeat, Pete Igoscu. So ePeat and our upgrades to it are really cool because what it does is it takes the ability for our system to do the thinking and then our therapist to do the connecting. So our, one of our taglines is connect and correct. And I was doing therapy in the clinic yesterday and I had a therapist who was caught up in the mix of doing therapy and I said, you realize what the tagline says? It says connect first, correct second. It's that way for a reason. The connection is so much more important. So they trust us, trust in themselves, read the first three chapters in the pain-free book, build the connection with the theory and the book, and then start the exercises. So that connect and correct is critical. So to answer your question, hopefully I did directly, is it? I could, I don't really care which one they do. From a practitioner standpoint, I'm an in-person kind of person. Yeah. So I would love to have the time in front of you. I would love for you to hear my voice for the next hour. Well, sorry about the headache, but it's a, but you're stuck. Sorry, you're stuck listening. But it's one of these things where now you can, you can get the kind of help through our apps and our, you know, different things online. What I had to really swallow at the age of 50, you know, is when we, and this was probably around 47, when we really went to the online stuff and I just, it didn't groove with me. I'm like, how are you going to allow me to connect over this Skype and FaceTime? That's not going to happen. And so Pete and I were sitting there one day and he said, you realize that we're doing this therapy over Skype and FaceTime because I watched a dental surgery be done with an assistant coming over Skype to help out. And I'm like, wait, they're cutting into the mouth. The practitioner's doing that. Okay, okay, I got it. So then I just let it go. I let my belief system down a little bit and said, let's just see what's going to happen. Let's try it. And I would bet 40, 50% of my business right now is Skype or FaceTime. From when you say I've been in 15 countries speaking, that's a minimum, but being in therapy, we're over 80 countries. Yeah. Yeah, I want to make a, a little bit of a testament to the connection. When I first came to see you guys, one of the first questions you asked me was, how much time can you devote to this? Mm. Right? And being realistic at the time, man, it come for a, surf, from a surf, for a surfing injury, wanted to get back in the water, but also had a full-time job trying to grow a business. I said, 10 minutes, that's it. I'm going to do 10 minutes a day. Mm-hmm. You're like, great. Well, you gave me that kind of routine. But what you start to experience is, wow, that 10 minutes worked really great. Yeah. 20 is probably going to work even better, right? So you get a virtuous cycle once you start to see the results. God, you figured it out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you the figured secret. out my Trojan horse is just to make you feel better and then you'll do more. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly it's, what it's a great strategy. I mean, it's and that's applicable in a lot of performance and uh, other other areas where you don't want to freak out the client, right? If you say to someone, "Oh, you got to lose forty pounds," right? They're like, "If I do that, I'll die," yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But if you just, "Oh, but can you eat one less candy a day?" Well, I can do that, right? And so you get them going in a way where they get on that virtuous path, right? and then they'll end up making the kind of changes that they might not have otherwise if you set the goal too far out. Look, you guys are busy. And as we sit here talking about this, I don't think about the way that I sit or stand or anything like that. My, my body should be able to sit rounded over like this if I wanted to. As you and I were talking about race cars earlier, you cinch those five-point harnesses down, you're not sitting up straight, right? But that's the position your body should be able to get to and then recover. So your listeners, our listeners are out there saying, okay, what can I do to actually feel better now. Well, we're gonna provide that, you know, in the show notes and stuff, I'll give you guys the exercises that they can at least try Igoscu anywhere, anytime. Three standing exercises, they'll do a balance test first, and then I'm gonna give them the greatest abdominal exercise ever at the end, which I really think that we should do while we're here, just so that the crowd can get a good chuckle about how miserable <laughs> we're gonna be by the end. Oh, yeah. It sounds good. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking as you're talking, that you know, we only have, we are, we only have one body. Each of us, you know, the human body is is basically the same structure. And so I'm, I'm thinking of the correlation between music. There's only so many notes, but yet there's so many different 
pieces of music and infinite possibilities. So how does Egoscue differ from some of the other movement or postural techniques that we that we have in our you know at our disposal like Alexander technique or even Tai Chi or Qigong, Feldenkrais, yeah, all that stuff. Pilates, gyrotonic. So what, what's the distinction? Well, the first one is Pete Agoscu still alive. Okay. That's the first distinction amongst among a lot of them. So a right. lot of the originators are no longer around and it, and it actually affects, you know, the quality of stuff. Like, you know, what happened with Pilates, there's 20 different types out there and I'm not saying one's good or bad, right. but if you find an amazing Pilates practitioner, you contract them and you keep them close to you, yeah. you know, because there's an, some amazing stuff that can be can be found with that. Yeah. Well, fortunately, the founder of the method is still alive. He's very active. You know, he's seventy some years young. Um, I'm not sure if he's seventy or ninety. Um, no, but he, <laughs> honestly, he's a beast. You know, yeah. to be able to see what he's able to do, um, living in Florida now, he's like a teenager, right? Because he's moving so well compared to a lot of people that go there. And I used to live there. I know what's walking around. And Pete walks around with such a huge personality, and introduces them to the method. So getting back to the multiple postural things that are out there, our job is just to make everybody else's job or treatment programs easier. Like if you said to me. A more directive question, Brian, how does Igoski relate to acupuncture? Yeah. Bottom line, I mean, I've done acupuncture, had it done multiple times to me. I, I still don't like that needle in the base of my big toe. I'm, I'm telling you, oh, and they go, kidney one. oh, that really, that's a, that's a great little pain site. Uh, leave it there. That's great energy. I'm like, no, I think you hit a nerve. I know anatomy. So, <laughs> but it's, you're right. It's, it, it made a huge difference. In fact, I had a 70% decrease in swelling in my lower leg with a blood clot, six inch DVT with an ACL reconstruction tear that I had from mountain biking. And the one acupuncture session decreased it by 70%. And if that doesn't convince you that something's healthy, you know, I mean, that's crazy. So to get back to the answer is I would actually say if you do your agoscue first mm -hmm. or in conjunction or afterward, whatever you, it works into your schedule, and it could be as short as honestly three minutes. And for where you said to give you 10, I've literally had to give people three minutes so they can get that taste, which is why I want them to try these exercises that we'll give them. Because once they're done, they're going to say, wait a second. If I'm doing this standing right now, what if I did it twice a day? Or what if I did it actually seven days a week? Mm -hmm. So only brush and floss the teeth you want to keep mm -hmm. and only move and align the joints you want to keep. That's a, that's a great um, analysis or comparison between the two. So when we look at this kind of stuff, my job is to, and Agoscu's job in general as a company, is to support every other treatment program that's out there. Because we don't look at ourselves as, as treatment therapists. We're really convincing you that your body is enough from the emotional psychological side through questions, through active listening. And that is a critical point. The active listener versus you and I sitting here. And while I'm talking to you and giving you an answer, if you weren't actively listening, you already have two more questions in your head. You're just ready to ask them right away. Right. Well, you're not really engaged with me if that's, if that's what it was, which you're not, by the way, he's, he's actively listening. So to, to get so to the, Jack. yeah, Jack, for sure. Test after this yeah. yeah, they'll be tested, especially the spelling and the pronunciation of Agoscu. Thank exactly. you. E-G-O. <laughs> so who are your clients? Who, who comes to see? And, and by the way, you have trainers all across the country. Yeah. You're, you're international. Yeah. So who comes to who comes to Egoski? We have about 10 new clinics that we're, are on the books right now that we're trying to open, you know, from Miami to New York City to Singapore to Bangkok to Russia. Well, you're busy. Um, yeah, this is, yeah, because you're, I have You're to, bouncing. I think you were in Tokyo the last time I talked to you. Yeah. Or, or just getting back. Yeah, you should see some of the videos, and I'll give you my Instagram later. So, um, the comparison that I gave with this lady with a bunion, and I had my toe socks on, which have all the foot bones on them. And so it was a great visual for her to see it. And at that moment, she had her, aha, my little bone is being pushed over here. And then the reason I know that we got to her is she said, well, why is it pushed over? Uh -huh. When they start asking a question like that, they're really engaged in the process versus going, well, can you fix it? Yeah. Can you fix it lays all the responsibility on me yeah. versus let's engage them in the process. Because remember, nobody knows their body better than the person living in it. You know yours, you know yours, and I know mine. So clients of ours are from all over the world. We had a young lady in yesterday with scoliosis, the age of you know 15 to 18. And I think you'll find this interesting. Her mom's sitting on the couch and my therapist was doing the work over here and I saw the, uh, the scans. Didn't even introduce myself. I, I go, hey, what's going on there? You have some scoliosis going on. Still didn't introduce myself. And the therapist, Caroline, was there and she just smiles like, okay, here it comes. And I said, hey, what's the great thing about you having scoliosis? And just like we heard there was nothing but silence. 
And I said, wait, let me, did you understand, right? What I'm asking, what is the great thing that has come out of this? So if your listeners, seriously, if they go back to a miserable situation in their life, don't close your eyes if you're driving, but if you could close your eyes and picture this, if you're not driving, you think to yourself, what's the most miserable point in my life that I ever went through? And then what came out of it? What did I learn or what relationships were stronger after it? So I said to her, I go, do you realize that you at the age of whatever, 16, you have an amazing relationship with this woman sitting on the couch, your mother. I can name you 50 teenage girls who don't get along with their mother or father. And so this scoliosis could have been the opportunity to build this relationship. And that was her, her answer came back, still not knowing my name. She put a big smile on her face and she said, I love my mom. That's a massive, not that I helped her discover it, but she's got to say that she's got to feel it because mom feels responsible. And many people with scoliosis are like this. The mother feels responsible for the diagnosis. They actually feel like they caused it. And so I switched it. Instead of mom helping you, it's your job to help your mother, let her know you're okay. And we're going to give you the tools to do that. So there's that. There's a perfect example of a customer who's that age versus the older lady who's 78, 79, 80 with a bunion, thinking that it's a 79-year-old bunion when there's no bunion on the other foot. So I said to her, well, she's like, well, it's 79. How old's the other foot? 79 also. So getting them to get that belief system to really shift. That's a powerful questioning. It seems like far beyond just exercise or postural training. Uh, Is that something that that um, that Pete has inspired? Absolutely. Well, obviously, you've been working with Egoscu for a long time. Is that something that's really cultivated in your trainers to, to get into the, yes, I tell them into the at, optimism? And, and At first, you're going to develop a third eye, mm-hmm. almost like where you see things that other practitioners or you didn't see before, like something where close your eyes, look in the mirror. And again, your, your listeners can do this. Stand in front of a mirror tonight in the least amount of clothing possible. It's your house. Shut the blinds, whatever. Get in front of that mirror and close your eyes and then open it. And what's the first thing that you see that you think is off? Forget about you thinking that you're overweight or fat, F-A-T. In my opinion, it doesn't exist. I'll give you that later. It's the, are my shoulders level? Is one foot turned out more than the other? Is one hand rolled over so I can see the whole back of the hand versus the thumb and index finger on a better shoulder position? And maybe that's why my shoulder is hurting me and my jaw is killing me on that side. And I'm making my acupuncturist job or chiropractor's job or PT's job so much harder because I'm walking in with the same dysfunction every day. And then we get in a car and we drive an automatic transmission. I think automatic transmission should be gone. You should only have to drive manual transmissions because at least your left leg has to do something. Oh, just keep me off the road when everyone's driving manual transmissions. Can you imagine how many clutches? If my my left leg actually seems to turn in a little bit, if, if that's from the habit of using a clutch for so many years. I'd rather have it turned in a little bit than turned out. Oh, yeah, so, okay. That turning out is... passive. Yeah, like when I see somebody's foot turning out, that's why when we say during the exercises, get your feet straight, please get your feet straight, five degrees in if you have to. That traps your pelvis and hip. And whenever I see somebody like this, I just go... Like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, there's the air leak because you're, you're leaking something over here. And if on a race car, if you're leaking something, you're not racing very long. And that's what we find when we get symptomatic. You know, when we were talking on the phone, uh, you had mentioned some research that sounded pretty interesting uh, about CTE, chronic traumatic encephalopathy, or T, you know, that's sort of the new TBI, traumatic brain injury. Can you elaborate on that for our listeners? Okay. So for those of you who don't really follow the NFL or anything that's out there or turn on TV and get upset the way I do what's on there, right? But every once in a while, there's something fun. And to me, the study of concussions is fun because I've played all kinds of sports from rugby to football to baseball to golf to the great sport of table tennis, which is what I do now because it's probably the same. You get a lot of CTE with table tennis, Oh, right? yeah. You get smacked You get hit with that ping pong ball. You get hit with a paddle, you're in trouble. But that's, <laughs> yeah. that's because your you're partner's playing, playing really with the wrong upset. people. <laughs> Correct. And I will tell you that the CTE stuff to me is a very simple fix. Um, I've even said on stage at these big Tony Robbins events, 10, 15,000 people, because I'm trying to get a doctor in the crowd who's already deep into this to either get pissed off just enough at the statement of saying, or already believe it, that this is not a head problem. We've cured CTE. The NFL just doesn't know it yet because this is not a head problem. It's a head symptom. So let's think about this. You guys, um, you guys understand the pulse 
more than anybody else as it relates to the cerebral spinal fluid, the pulse. You guys, are, you guys know how to measure that better than anybody. But under the visual scans, you can actually see in, in certain CT scans and stuff where they're actually seeing an accumulation of the toxic proteins and the cerebral spinal fluid just sitting at the frontal lobe of the brain. And what happens when water starts to sit in a puddle for a while? It becomes bacteria full. Yeah, just, it's just not going to be healthy. You're not drinking it. So this is happening at the brain level. Why is it sitting there? Because the pulse that allows it to go up and wash the brain and nourish everything, if your head and neck are here, here, and what I'm doing is that rounded shoulder, one shoulder lower, and then your head goes forward and cocks off like this, and now you put a football helmet on, mm -hmm. and you want to treat the head, you're playing a sport that's going to give you a concussion. Mm -hmm. But if your body's in the right place, the other... 23 hours of the day, then most of our football players don't have symptoms like this because, you know, I can name one as Junior Sale that was just a, a long gone and, you know, good friend of ours. And I remember the exact moment when they mentioned that on the radio that he had passed, but even he knew, and you could see the behavior coming up to that. And he, I watched uh, news footage of him, you know, 15, 20 years ago. And he said, we're warriors. I'm sure this is going to really hurt us later on in life, but it's, it's the fun of it. They just get addicted to the game. Well, our job, we've taken this on ourselves. Nobody's asked us. We just said, look, we've got to help organizations who really believe that the cause is coming from somewhere else. So that I think it's the Cleveland Clinic. They've actually put out some studies or some announcements that they believe it's the whiplash of the neck. Okay, now we're coming closer. Now let's start looking at the whiplash. All you have to think about is the anatomy of the brain. Where does it attach? right to the brainstem and then right to the spinal cord. Spinal cord then goes to the mid-back, to the thoracic spine. And wait, the thoracic spine goes to the lumbar spine. And wait a second, Brian, are you actually saying that the position of my SI joints and my pelvis could have something to do with the stability factor to my brain? And it has everything to do with it. So well, you want sacral, to give them the best way out of it. Yeah, and cranial sacral uh, work focuses on that too. So you're saying that correct body posture, focusing on the pelvis and stabilizing the pelvis, strengthening the pelvis, stimulates proper circulation with the cerebral spinal fluid, and that's influencing the, the CTE, or am I misunderstanding? No, you're not misunderstanding. In fact, there was a Bryant Gumbel show on uh, Real Sports, or whatever it was yeah, with Bryant Gumbel. A while, a while ago. They had one there with yeah. Jim McMahon, and they actually had a NUCA, upper cervical chiropractic, mm -hmm. adjustment to his C1, C2. Mm -hmm. the, they didn't even, we're talking... They used the machine that just lightly pushed in to change the transverse and spinous process. Yeah. And then they took the CT scan after. Yeah. Before was white, after was walnut. And you know what a brain should look like is that walnut. Right. And it was an amazing change. Now, I, that can't be ignored, especially when the patient says, my brain flushed like a toilet. I felt everything come out. My vision came back. My memories came back. I'm sorry. Now all you have to do is, instead of opening up a five-minute window by you adjusting the C1, C2 for the customer, mm -hmm. put a functional movement in there that actually repositions it at the base. Right. And if you can get it at the base, it's a very simple thing. And before we're done, I'll show you something, especially with you, Jack, when how you're built, you're sitting in a chair that's not built for somebody six foot whatever, right? These, these chairs are built in America for people that are the normal size. And basketball players have their knees up like that when they're sitting on the sideline. Then they're expected to jump onto the court and perform. No wonder they have all these hard tissue and soft tissue injuries. Yeah. So going back to that, in my opinion, where we're going with this as a company, it's quiet. You know, I get it. Mm -hmm. um, but we're building some metrics and we have two studies now going on, actually a study going on now with the support from uh, Stanford and Harvard. So in our preliminary studies, we had an amazing drop after one or two appointments with people. And we're going to be running thousands of people through this study. And once it's done, um, you know, everybody says any news is good news when your name's out there from a, a study with those two uh, universities. But our challenge has been to get the allopathic medical world to understand how simple just standing pigeon-toed, what that does to your overall head position. Mm -hmm. Because you, remember, you were talking about your foot being turned in or out. The minute you take your feet 45 degrees and you tighten up the quads and touch your toes together and keep those feet on the ground and then interlace your hands behind your head and pull it back like that even for a minute, yeah. it's an unbelievable change to the mid-back, the hip, and now you have the whole system trapped mm -hmm. to the point where people start to sweat. I gave it to a lady with TMJ. She got one finger in her mouth with the jaw displacing one direction. 
and she's talking like this, and other than you know, saliva's going everywhere, and she takes out her prosthetic that's in there. Mm -hmm. And I said, stand pigeon-toed, elbows back. It changed her pelvically from a completely posterior butt-under mm -hmm. position called no butt disease, right? Once she stood pigeon-toed, tightened up her quads, the femur head in the joint mechanically changed the bony tilt. So she became her own hands-on practitioner, making her bones adjust. And I didn't let her shoulders round over, so I kept her here. And after about two minutes, she's beating sweat. She comes back out of it. You looked at her from the side. She had a beautiful little arch in her back. So we knew, at that point, I know something's different up the chain. Mm -hmm. I said, well, now open up your mouth. She opens it and gets three fingers in her mouth between her teeth. Huh. And that's the test. Can you get three fingers in? Yeah. She had one and the jaw displaced to the left. So I'm like, look, you can skip the reconstructive surgery. And she says, well, my husband's the dentist. We get a good price. So. <laughs> hey, Brian, I want to go back to the CTE just briefly when you were talking about the cere cerebral spinal fluid and its yep. stagnation in the, in the brain. Um, have you tied that in at all with uh, circular breathing, commonly, you know, Montauk Chia's microcosmic orbit, but it's common in many meditation traditions. When you meditate, put your tongue on the roof of your mouth and concentrate on kind of creating that uh, or completing that circuit. You'll see often you'll, as you're sitting there meditating, your spinal line, your neck will crack. Yep. You know, and I wonder if combining those things would be amazing. Might make it more, even more effective. I love it. And see, that's the cool thing about someone, you know, like Agoscu with Pete Agoscu. You would think, okay, he's a political science major. He's a hardcore Marine. You ever meet him? He's, you know, 6'3", 200 and some pounds. He's a burly guy. He's a teddy bear. Yeah. And honestly, he's one of these guys that would say, I don't know. Let's try it, Jack. Yeah. And that's the cool part is how are you going to know if you don't try it? I don't need a double blind study to tell me that something's effective. In fact, I've seen the manipulation of studies. I, I was in an event years ago and one of the practitioners stood up in front and said, I hope you're really listening to what I'm talking about because in about five years, the research is going to change and everything's going to be different. I'm whoa, whoa, wait a minute. You want me to listen to you that in five years, what you're talking about is going to be no longer valid. Why am I in this talk? I'm like, stand for something. Yeah. And that's what I loved what Agoscu did is he fought the medical board and trust me, this is not a bust on the medical board. I get it where the lobbies and everything come from. But Pete Agoscu had to pave the way for people like the Gray Cooks and all that in the world that are doing the functional medicine stuff. And Gray actually said, our field of physical therapy needed someone who had, didn't have blinders on when they came into the field, like Pete Agoscu, who came from outside the circle. Yeah, he ruffled some feathers, but he had to. He actually had to, and he was the perfect personality for it. I want to talk about your trainers a little bit. So how, how are your trainers train? Like how long is the training program and, yep. and who, who comes? Are they, are they PTs? Are they massage therapists? What is the, what's the pool of your, of your trainers? The last part of that question I'll answer first, which is we train anybody. So we get PTs, we get massage therapists, we get hands-on body workers, we get chiropractors. But to be honest with you, and yes, I am interested in having them in because they're part of the whole shifting of the paradigm that we set out to do 20 years ago, which is now shifted toward the importance of the alignment of your body is a little bit more relevant. Right. Um, but we'll train anybody. This young girl with scoliosis at 16, 17, 18, in my opinion, ideal therapist for me down the road because she had her aha moment. Mm -hmm. She has already been down the road and she has a story. Mm -hmm. And when you have a story, your client then says, well, wait, you've been there. So the best thing that ever happened to me was tore my left hip labrum, yeah. uh, evolves my tibia from my, uh, evolves my ACL from my tibia with a blood clot, separated my shoulder, dislocated this one, fractured my transverse process. Don't downhill mountain bike and hit trees. Yeah, that was a good day, folks. Yeah, that was a good day of mountain biking <laughs> in San Diego. Hello. And I did switch over to table tennis and it's a lot safer. But I and will tell you, and race cars, yes, but you're surrounded by at least a helmet and a cage. Okay, <laughs> bad habit, bad habit. But ideally you look at this and you say, could anyone learn this? Yeah. Because remember, Pete Agoscu has a political science degree. Right. We used to mess with him and say, Pete, tell me about the five rotator cuff. And he's like, well, okay, you guys, you're messing with me. I don't care how many there are because I know there's not five. And he's thinking, how many are there? Okay, there's four. four. <laughs> but it didn't matter to him because he looked at the macro, not the micro. Right, right. Okay. You train the, 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 the practitioners 
to watch out for any contraindications? Are there any pathologies where you wouldn't do a particular exercise? Yes, and that's, uh, you know, that's by listening to the customer. That active listening will tell you something doesn't feel right. Like if I gave you guys something that hurt, you'd say, this doesn't make sense. If I gave you something that was work hurt, where you're going, my quads are burning because you have me stand on one leg. That's the difference between work and hurt. Once you educate them into we're on your side and we want you involved in this therapy process, for example, a degenerative hip. You've seen people come in with a degenerative hip, their foot turns out a little bit, they form a bunion on the inside of the foot because the foot's pushing off on the inside. But when they go to hit their heel on the ground and then they're coming back through mid stance and then as the leg goes behind them, they don't get that scissor movement of hip extension. Instead, when the leg goes behind them, the body says, yeah, they start to swing the whole hip and rotate like this. They go right hip, right hip, and you put them in front of a mirror, you use their phone. I love the visual. So I use their iPhone mm -hmm. to film them walking and say, please save this. It's a great tool. Because next we're gonna take you through three exercises. And I love the shock value of, okay, you don't believe me? What if it's one exercise? Yeah. And then I film them with their hands on their head like this. Yeah. And then they look at the hip. Wait, I know it was hard to hold my hands back like that, but I'm not, you told me I'm rotating and scooping. I'm not doing that now. Yeah, but you can't walk around Encinitas with your hands on your head. Okay. <laughs> if you lived in LA, <laughs> I guess, LA yeah, for Venice. sure. That's normal. Venice, I get it. Venice Beach, Venice Beach yes. Yeah. But you're right. It's a, you know, from a, from a getting the customer out of their own way is, is a little tough because they've, they've put, I've had customers come in and say, I've, look, I've spent a half a million dollars on my back. Guy yesterday flew out from Louisiana. He's here for the next six days. Yeah. He goes, I bought a one-way ticket. And I'm not leaving here until I'm pain-free. And I said, great, that'll be at the end of today. And he said, wait, what do you mean? So he gave him two exercises. And then I asked him the stupid question, which is, well, how do you feel? Yeah. I feel the same. No, I know that's not possible. Right. And I asked him that on purpose. Right. I said, you know, hold on, uh, Greg. I said, Greg, let me, um, let me ask you a better question. What has changed or what's different on the pain level and the balance compared Compare now to when you came in. So that's a question that requires an answer. Mm -hmm. How do you feel means I feel the same. Right. Now think about that. His pain could have gone from a 10 to a 2. Mm -hmm. That much improvement. But yet it's not gone. So he says, I feel the same. Yeah. And his gonna, answer. I was going to ask you about that. Well, that's what that was his answer after he said, I feel so much better. It's, it's almost, in fact, I don't even feel this. And I said, well, you asked me when you were going to be pain-free. Yeah. Now the window of pain-free staying open depends on the brushing and the flossing of the joints and teaching them a new position over time. Right. If you just go back and sit behind your desk and never do these exercises again, your pain-free window is going to close after today. Mm. So I just require a little bit of work. Yeah, we get that a lot in uh, acupuncture. I mean, any, any body therapist is going to get that. Your patient comes in, you know, the pain, it, unless it's completely gone, they don't think you've done anything for them. So I was wondering how you impart that or how you how you uh, bring them to the awareness that there's some change. And obviously, if you can get the pain to go away, that's... You, you know. have to hit them with the neurolinguistics, you know, that NLP stuff, which is you're not tricking them. You're asking them a better question. Right. What is different, what requires some thinking, uh, some instinctual thinking from their heart, some thinking from their head. How's my knee? I can't believe it. And then when they say, I can't believe that it, it's gone. I said, well, why don't we test it? Let's go walk up two or three stairs. Yeah. Oh, okay, it'll come back. Right. Are you sure? And then they go walk up and, and some of them, let's call it 80-20. 80% of them come back and say, well, now I'm convinced because you're right. And then I have to calm them down and say, don't pick up the soccer ball yet. You're not well yet. Mm -hmm. We've only opened up a little window. I'd like it to be a huge sliding glass door to the backyard that you've really, really opened up. So let's, let's give you a compelling future versus just how do you feel in this moment. Right. But that moment is a little snippet of how, what's to come. I want to ask you a little bit about your own personal experiences. I know you, you are a race car driver. So how has that, how's that helped in your racing? How's the work? How's the goss you helped? Or can, um, let me just be is clear. Is that a fair uh, question? Don't insult Danica Patrick by saying that I'm an actual race car <laughs> well, you driver. you like to race cars. Yes, I like to. Yes, I drive very spirited, let's say that. And I don't do it on the streets. That's why we go do this in closed courses, because I think that driving fast on the street is absolutely crazy, especially in SoCal when... You know, the fastest sometimes you're going is 18 miles an hour or 10 miles an hour on the highway. You don't, yeah, or less, exactly, sitting still. Um, I mean, before when we were talking, you were talking about how yep, some, the idea of sitting some in the drivers car, yeah. just use their arms, yeah. and this could be for any sport. But Well, think about baseball. 
right. you would never tell a pitcher to just to throw a 90 mile an hour fastball with their arm. You'd say this has to be a hip driven rotational movement, driving into the ground to let the tip of the whip go to throw the ball. Mm -hmm. Golf club, TPI does that kind of stuff. Excellent when they're talking about bring that pelvis through, let the club head be the tip of the whip and then hit the ball. But your, your pelvis is already down line mm -hmm. as long as you're rotating and not that sway slide. So as it relates to race cars, any kind of car, um, you know, you're driving pretty spirited. You take a corner, you're coming into a corner, say at a hundred. Okay. If my mom's listening, it's uh, 30 miles an hour. Uh, but it's, let's say it's 130, 140 miles an hour on a very safe track. You come in and you hit those brakes on the threshold and then you have to turn left. Well, as you know, Jack, you don't want to just turn that wheel with your arms. Right. You know, this has to be, again, I would tell the race car driver, G-forces are G-forces, just like football. Let's get your hip to do the steering because it has to be rooted from somewhere. Mm -hmm. So when I say to get the hip to do it, you're not like putting your hip up there and doing it. You're so stable in your seat and your pelvis is so stable and balanced that now your abs can kick in, your shoulder can kick in, your trap and rotator cuff and the rhomboid and the, the serratus anterior with the trap can work like a force couple to go, oh, you want me to do this and you want me to do this. Yeah, I want you to turn the wheel. Mm -hmm. And your body's flying all over the place, but it's flying all over the place when your body is not stable enough to do it which is why you know, they call it racer's fatigue. A lot of people are like, wow, I was just, you know, I must have uh, had bad seats. No, you had the same seat that you had yesterday. Your body's in a different position today, which is why I would say, let's do these three or four exercises to align our bodies, to give us a more stable foundation, to allow us to be more uh, rooted at the ground. So the, what I was gonna show you earlier is I would tell you to sit posterior in a chair and then I'm going to move you around like this, and you're going to see that the body kind of just moves like a, a scarecrow blowing in the wind or something, or like a maypole, you know, that's doing all that. Mm -hmm. When we roll your pelvis anterior to put the arch in your back, and I didn't say arch your back with your back, it's forward tilt of the pelvis, engage the psoas, the iliacus to hold you there, pin the shoulder blades together, and then I hit you again, it's going to be like trying to push a tree over because the roots are now so much more stable to the chair. Mm -hmm. So how much do you think you guys, well, Jack probably knows, but um, how much you guys paid for these chairs? Give me an idea, because they were built by the lowest bidder. Oh yeah, these are not special chairs. Well, let's change, right. Let's just call them a $10 chair. And then over here, we have a $10,000 chair for you. Good what, job, Miles. Which chair, is, which chair is better, Miles? And you deserve it, Miles. But which chair is actually better? It doesn't matter. How about we give you a $50,000 butt to take to the chair. So no matter what chair you're sitting in, you don't get punished. And by the way, save the $10,000, don't buy that chair. Invest it, let it compound, feed your family, all that stuff, instead of saying, I'm so fragile, I need to be ergonomically perfectly correct in my chair. No, have some faith in the human body. Once you provide it the right stimulus, it'll come back. Yeah, we've just bought some of the stand-up desks for some of our employees. So what do you think about those? I mean, is it better to stand up every do, once in a while? Do you have the receipt? <laughs> we should have just trained them to sit just better, right? Well, <laughs> sitting is a sport. Train for it. Yeah. Let's think of it that way because sitting's not going anywhere, guys. Yeah. Instead, what we do is we say, let's get a standing desk in there. So if the postural position is like this and they sit, it goes like that. Or when they stand, they're still like this. So now we're going eight hours in standing. And I understand the argument could be, yeah, but standing's a little bit better than sitting. Oh, is it? I, I don't know if it is. Not changing their posture. You behavior. haven't changed their mid back, their yeah. shoulders, their head. In fact, what you've done now is you've caused a compensatory action in their feet, and now they're going to get plantar fasciitis, and then they're going to want to sit, because remember, I'm so weak that standing now hurts me. Okay, let's provide them a way out of it. Standing desks are great. You heard it right here. Standing desks are amazing. So is that $3 chair you're sitting in, and so is that $10,000 one that Miles is in. They're all great, but the athletic body that we're taking to it, remember, we're training for the sport of sleeping. Mm -hmm. On my Instagram, I just posted something, I don't know if it went up yesterday or it's on Facebook, I said we're training for the sport of sleeping because we were shooting a video on get a better night's sleep. Well, the idea is get a better night's sleep by training the body to be able to lie down in bed in a different position. Mm -hmm. Because look, I sleep in probably a different, hundred different beds a year based on travel. Yeah. Well, I can't choose in Japan. I'm much bigger than some of the beds that are over there. Okay. It's just how it is. And I don't, you don't hear me complain. I'm just like, well, you know what? I'll just prop up a pillow here, do this. I'm falling asleep because my body thoracically 
knows where my upper back just opens up, my diaphragm kicks in, and a, the key to a better night's sleep is what? Not the sleep number. The depth. The depth of the sleep. Oh, breathing. The diaphragm. The diaphragm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what sort of um, results have you had with, I'm curious about professional athletes. I'm sure you guys work with a ton of athletes, right? Absolutely. So obviously they come to you, they're injured, or they just want to perform better. Can you think about a couple of clients? It's or, usually or, the first part. Yeah. You know, they usually come to us because they have to. Yeah. Um, which is why the pain-free book sold so many copies because the first book called The Agoscu Method of Health Through Motion, mm-hmm. first of all, I'll try to say that. <laughs> Second of all, when you see a book called Pain-Free on the Shelf, yeah. that's how I want to live. They instantly pick up that title. That's why we changed it because it's about pain. Convincing them it's not about pain, you have to wait until the pain kind of decreases. Then you got to talk performance. So our football players buy into it, hook, line, and sinker. We have an obstacle course called The Patch, which is a, uh, a functional obstacle course. We were taking John Lynch and a bunch of kids through when they were back in high school. They asked Pete, hey, will you take us to the gym? And he said, look, I'm not going insu- to insult the personal trainers of the world mm-hmm. by me going in there. I don't have any training. I'm not going to insult it. What I do know is why don't I bring out some of the Marine Corps stuff without all the yelling and take them to a functional movement pattern. Uh-huh. And we have one here at Torrey Pines High School. I think they just tore the one down at uh, Helix High down. I don't know why. Um, they have them over here in uh, Coronado has a couple in Point Loma, but the, our mainstay one is here in Torrey Pines. And we have an indoor one that people can use and it's roto molded and blah, blah, blah. That's our performance end and really, really gives us that. If you can actually take an athlete, get them more posturally sound. Let me change that when you get them posturally sound, because I don't do if, mm-hmm. it's when it happens, then we move them into something like the patch. Now you're really speaking their language, because, but yet I'm accomplishing the same thing. But if I were to give it to them on day one, I may not have had such a great result because their compensatory issues may have taken over. So we're looking at the structural therapy first, mm-hmm. and then we're going over here. So when you get your agoscu done first, and then start moving through your other modalities, you get so much more out of it. So I saw a picture of it, um, Bill Stump, great guy, by the way, our first advisory board member for our Master's of Science in Health and Human Performance. So Bill, if you're listening, thank you very much. Uh, showed me some pictures of this, and it's kind of like a, a low-altitude obstacle course. Yeah. And um, it sounds like a great concept because I guess if you do the exercises correctly, it can be a real workout. Well, and the slower, the better. Honestly, I have another link to the, to the patch from a strength coach who came down from Canada. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, I've heard all about this. And, you know, they told me I need to do this and learn some stuff. And I'm like, yeah, Jason, come on over. And I invited him down and took him up there and they filmed the whole thing. The great thing about him is he's a stand-up comedian. So the self-deprecating humor, you know, where he's, where he's just getting <laughs> killed and he's like, oh God, I'm dying. Brian, you're 50 years old and I'm 38. What's going on? It really helped um, the, the listener not be scared to see it or do it. And, you know, there's an open invite when somebody, if, if anybody listening wants to come up and try this thing out, then just get a hold of the clinic in yeah, Del Mar. We're, we'll, we'll be there. We'll for sure do it. Yeah, they do it twice a week now. And if I get more people, we'll do it every day. Awesome. Like it's a game changer. And cool being on a, um, a public school and we have a, we have a sign up there. We have one at Oceanside too. The one at Oceanside is great. And the different guys up there that are doing it. And you want to meet a bunch of kids that are, they'll renew your faith in the younger generation. Nice. Meet the kids at Oceanside High School that really? play football and do awesome. some training up there with uh, there, there's a, um, the Pow Pow family. I mean, some of these kids that are coming out, I just said, guys, you realize that you're, you're making me fall in love with teenagers again when I just hated you guys for so long, yeah. you know, and it I was have, a I have a 16 year old <laughs> and I, I can attest to that because he played, my, my son goes to La Jolla High, yeah. but he played the Oceanside uh, lacrosse team a while back and they were great kids. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. And you think about when you're talking about La Jolla versus Oceanside, I mean, we know there's a financial difference there in general, but people are, and people are thinking, well, they have so many opportunities over here. Like my son being 16 plays academy soccer. He has every opportunity in front of him, but he also has a dad from who grew up on the East coast mm-hmm. where work ethic, put your time in, make it smart, get your work done. And then you can take a break. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the big thing when he's still sleeping in the morning, I go, look, you can sleep when you're dead. Let's go, get up, yeah. let's go. And he's perfected the, which I'm sure your 16 year old has too, where dad, you realize I've perfected the, if you want us to leave at 7.15, wake me up at 7.08. I'll be in the car by 7.15. <laughs> yeah, he's perfected the art of laziness. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. 
So with, with those, <clears throat> I'm still thinking about the athletes, you know, particularly the football players, how they're, they're in the gym just cranking, mm-hmm. just overdeveloping, you know, these muscles. How does that inhibit them <coughs> if you were going to get a pro athlete football player in, in and train them or, or correct some of their dysfunction and compensation? I'm a, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm a huge fan of the gym, by the way. Okay. So the way Agoscu looks at training in the gym is – in my opinion, a game changer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll show it, you that thing again when you're sitting. I would do most of it sitting. Mm-hmm. And people are like, wait, it's, uh, he's a stand-up football player. If you can train the pelvis, the legs will fall back into a better position. So when you squat down, you're lower now on the offensive line than your defender. And low man wins. Right. So when they're in there, you know, I know what the meatheads are doing. They're doing all this stuff. It's I've watched my kid. Yep, press. I've watched it. He's, yeah. you know, they take this whole academy team. Let's go to the gym and train together. And then they get a trainer over there. Yeah. And one of my good friends started all this stuff, but the nut fell just far enough away from the tree that the guy he's actually working with, I'm looking at it going, wait a second, you're not allowing this, you're, you're allowing this, you're not doing this, you're not giving them this opportunity, they're allowing that shoulder to sit in that position, doing, for example, just a side lateral raise with a shoulder here yeah. becomes a trap exercise, right. not a deltoid, rotator cuff stability, serratus, pec, all that. You're literally making them slower by doing that mm-hmm. and weaker by doing it. All it's gonna take is that quarterback to fall on his arm incorrectly and he dislocates it. And all it was was the shoulder being rounded. Once that shoulder rounds, now you're in a dislocation position. So you're right to trust your instincts about it. I'm assuming you might be asking this question because of your 16-year-old kid, because he's in the gym or getting told he needs to be in the gym. And why would I listen to my own dad? Well, you don't. You get him to me. You know, give me five minutes with him. I'll change his mind completely, especially when we get him to the patch. I've learned that with my kid. Stop talking, Brian, and give them to somebody that he'll listen to. And then he'll come back and go, hey, Brett, Dad, did you know that if I warmed up my hip to do this, 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 that I feel so much better on the field? Wow, isn't that genius? I mean, Mom, going, for the last 16 years, I've been telling you that when you've been sleeping. Where's the patch come from? Where's the the name come from? Um, It's Well, the tomato patch is in Del Mar. Um, off of Via de la Valle, Pete used to run these camps with uh, the permanent wood stumps that are coming out of the ground. And so they're outside the tomato patches back in the 80s and 90s. And that's how I got introduced to this. And it was amazing. We'd be running through one to two feet of freshly tilled soil in these, in these fields and then get to, and the cool thing was, is I had 50, 60, 70 year old men and women, husband and wife, along with their kids now who were 40, 38, and then their grandkids were also in the workout. The cool thing to see the generations go through this. And it was all about getting a little dirty and not going to the gym and camaraderie, which is, by the way, the, one of the greatest things that CrossFit has done, well, the greatest thing CrossFit has done, in my opinion, is the community. Mm-hmm. What did they do that was different? From a physical standpoint. More reps? <clears throat> yeah, no. they did weightlifting. Yeah. Right? They did weightlifting. It was a genius idea to build the community around it. Yeah. Well, again, like the CTE, Igoscu's on a personal mission to save CrossFit, who's getting crushed right now with all these people saying, uh, CrossFit hurt me. Well, CrossFit didn't hurt you. The body you took to CrossFit hurt you. So align your body first and then get the most out of your CrossFit. Find an instructor who you love. Remember, we talked about the Pilates person who really knows their stuff. Yeah. Find that person who's the needle in the haystack and stay with them. Well, you're making me want to get out of the chair and start working out. Yeah, let's, let's do the sit-ups. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> so I want to give a plug to these books. Um, thank you so much for bringing the books in. Yeah. So we've got uh, Pain-Free Living, Pain-Free for Women, and uh, I guess the flagship here is Pain-Free. Yeah, the red book is uh, Pain-Free, but the Pain-Free Living book goes through the more emotional, psychological tie to this and why people identify like with certain postures, somebody who's rotated is more of a skeptic in life. You know, they're protecting their organs, their heart, their emotions. You know, we tried to tie that stuff and that helps us on the teaching standpoint. When somebody comes in for a posture alignment specialist certification from our institute, we absolutely apply those thought processes as they get deeper into it saying, when the person walks in, you already know what language to use Mm -hmm. because they're standing like this. Right, makes perfect sense. Is that an insight of Pete's or is that something that he's collaborated with a psychologist, psychiatrist? Pete is an avid reader, and so I don't know where he would have picked it up, but I've known him for over 27 years, and I'm telling you, the dude is just different. He's one of those guys that was given a gift from whatever God people believe in, but I know his God, you know, and it's, he's looking at it saying, I was given something that if I don't help other people with it, 
I'm not serving myself, nor am I serving the creator, whoever people believe in. And it was a, a big understanding for me at that point going, wow, okay, so you really believe in something like that. And I can tell you, my gift was running into him 27 years ago. I luckily ran into him because I was in the PT world with my blinders on. I would have been the guy that said, Peter Goski, what are his credentials? Yeah, okay, I'm not even going to go to listen to him. I would have been that guy. That's me. But I, you, you, things happen for a reason. The universe drives you in certain directions. And I always try to ask why. So even if our 16-year-olds drive us crazy sometimes, sit back for just 10 seconds. What am I getting so pissed off about? Mm -hmm. And what is it trying to tell me? And then start actively listening and the answer is right there. So we can equate listening to our family, listening to our client, listening to the people we work with, listening to ourselves, get out of your head and into your heart, and then start applying a physical anchor to all of this to use a Tony Robbins idea. You got to anchor this physically mm -hmm. and to watch the work of people that I've been blessed to be around over the years because of Agoski has been amazing. You know, just even from, you know, meeting you and the stuff that we're doing with the school, the bulletproof uh, radio stuff, the, you know, with uh, Dave Asprey and, you know, putting butter in your coffee. What are you kidding me? <laughs> and I went from reading 10 books to 22 books. I went from reading 10 books my whole life and not really understanding what was in them other than memorizing and taking tests to 22 books at the age of 48 and a half to 49, 22 books in a year. That is a miracle because of the fat, because of the uh, nutritional holes that were there from eating low fat, uh, you know, that carb's got to be bad for you. I better go gluten-free. I better do all this stuff versus saying what works for me. Yeah. Talking about people with a gift, what are you doing with Tony Robbins? Yeah, a lot of stuff. There's uh, That guy is, you know, he's the $700 million, soon to be a billion-dollar man, and it has nothing to do with money. The stuff that that guy, yes, he's, listen, I know there are people who might be like, oh, it's just not for me. I understand that. Then don't go. Yeah. But I will tell you, I've yet to run into more than maybe one or two people who just said, yeah, it's not for me. I don't like how he swears on stage or whatever. Okay, get over it. Right. There's worse things in life. But to see what he's done contribution-wise, just the amount of people he's feeding, the Underground Railroad stuff that he's doing, where he's interrupting child slavery, sex slavery, the stuff that he's doing, um, the way people are donating to this, he matches it. He'll be at a business mastery and say, okay, 3,000 people, let's do this. They'll raise a quarter million dollars and he'll match it. And it costs like $6,000 to save one or two kids. All right, let's do the math. Think about how many people they can save now. And that's run by some ex-Navy SEALs, Marines, who are now saying we're on a mission. And they're using their skills to go out and extract these kids and shut down operations. His focus is that direction now, not how do I make money off of motivating people? Because he's right. not a motivator. Right. He's a strategist. What's the big picture for Agoscu come? What's, what does Agoscu look like 10 years from now? Well, you mentioned Bill Stump. Um, Bill is the CEO of Agoscu. Uh, I thought it was a very brave move for Pete Agoscu a year ago, over a year ago, almost 18 months ago, to bring on somebody from the outside of the family mm -hmm. who came in with such a diverse business background from men's and women's health and Rodell and all that, had really nothing to do with us. But to watch him, Listen, he's a little bit older than I, right? But I'm looking at it going, to watch him grow up with Agoscu and to listen to his language and to watch his actions and he's doing it himself. That's how what really sold me. The dude is doing it and living it himself. Now, either that's to learn the method better to be able to apply the business to it or he's really seen the value. And I like to believe it's the second part because I've watched some of the emails and they've just changed in language and tone and emotion. And I'm, it's kind of fun. It's like watching a teenager. Bill, I know you're older than I am, but sorry about that. It's, a, it's like watching your teenager going, wow, something's really resonating here. And the more time that he gets to spend around people like myself and absolutely around Pete Agoscu is you start to learn that once you're infected by Igoscu, a good infection, it's one of those things that you just, you can't really stop. Like if somebody said to Jack, you know, it was years ago that you came in for therapy, but it inherently makes sense if I said, Jack, let's do some motional stuff. Let's do some motion building stuff and some repositioning stuff for your hips before you get in the race car. You'd go, well, why not? Let's try it. It makes sense. How can it hurt me? You know, my left leg will work better. And by the way, my back won't hurt when I get out. And you'll drive faster. If that's Any, possible, anything Jack. Anything to go faster. Yeah. Anything, anything to go, to go faster. faster. <laughs> 
Well, uh, Brian, it's been such a pleasure to have you here, and uh, we really, really appreciate you coming down and spending some time with us and enlightening us to Egoscu and the and the wonders and, and bringing us the books. And for our listeners, uh, get out there and try some Egoscu. And uh, we look forward to more to come, uh, more collaboration with you for sure. You know, I have an idea for you, too, is when you want to put this together, we'll do a, another one based on your listeners putting together some questions like, OK, look, I tried this and we'll help them out as much as we can. And we'll just bring the questions in and we'll try to answer some questions. That gives us another idea to come back as a part two. Super. I will Love tell you that. that on your show notes, um, if you don't mind, put the uh, I'll give you everything that's in there. I want to I want to be able to give your Absolutely. listeners, you know, the gift of this a little yep. bit to say, look, go to egoscue.com backslash. You know, we'll put the podcast as yeah, the name to recognize it. We'll totally. Link yep. You. And we'll just give it to him. That'd be beautiful. Okay, you got to try it. You know, you're not going to know if it works unless you try it. Well, I'll so be. Just three I'm going to be up there. That's correct. <laughs> I want to try the patch, dude. Uh, it's yeah. so good. Yeah. Like, I'm gonna, I, I mean, we're, we're neighbors, so I'm going to. Let's gonna do come, it. I'm going to come find sure. you. Yeah, and bring your kid because it's one of those things where he'll say, "Wait a second, my dad can do that, and I can't." Yeah. And by the way, hey, dad, look, I can do this. And you, come on, old man, do it. And then you're I like, I can yeah, still surf better than him. Well, <laughs> well, that's what we, we, we start thinking. There's going to be the point where they can take us. Yeah, you know that. Pretty, so we just, have to, we just have to give into that's it. What we want to have happen. That's correct. No competition with your dad is how I would always say to my kid. You're not in competition with me, bro. Yeah. I want you to be better. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Sorry. I really right. appreciate your time.